Well, welcome everybody back to another episode of the Med Student Over Easy podcast. I'm Andy Little, your EM Over Easy host, and I'm joined today by Tim Montreef, Caitlin Bowers. We're going to be talking about something a little different from our other conversations about marketing yourself as a medical student. So, Tim, why don't you set the stage for this conversation? Because we want it to be different and distinct from the other kind of marketing yourself kind of talks we've done. I love this idea of, of marketing yourself and you're now a medical student who's entering this great career and how do you put your best foot forward and really show yourself as not only a professional, but a competent medical student, resident, attending fellow, whatever the next step is. And there's a lot that you don't learn in medical school. So when I was a medical student, networking and social media, none of that was ever crossing my mind on you know, taking the next step to being a resident, being a young professional until I met some folks at the American College of Osteopathic Emergency Physicians annual conference and started networking. And they, you know, taught me a little bit about social media and how to connect with people and how to learn. And it kind of snowballed from there. And now I'm on social media all the time and, and meeting a ton of great people and networking. And I'd like to share that with all the med students out there who haven't really been exposed to this before. Yeah, I work at the medical school and do a lot of mentoring. And one of the reasons I got into that after graduating from residency is I feel like medical school is really good at teaching you what you need to know to take tests and to get into residency, but they don't focus as much on the marketing yourself for residency and for your future career. And there's a lot of things that I also picked up just being lucky and making friends at a conference and then kind of following on their coattails for a couple of years. And I think Tim would agree that both of us have had a lot of opportunities to get where we are in our career just based off on the people we've met and the networking we've done. And so I think we all just kind of wanted to talk about that today to give you guys some tips on how you could do the same thing. Yeah. And I think unlike other conversations that you've, if you've listened to other episodes of the Med Student Over Easy sessions for, for our podcast, is this really starts as early as you want it to. This can start fall of first year second year, definitely when you start clinicals. And this can turn on, again, like I said, whenever you want to turn it on, start turning it on and kind of move forward. So when you've talked about two things that I want to highlight is one, you both brought up conferences. How early did you go to a conference in medical school or a specific EM conference in medical school? Oh, man. So I started going to conferences right during first year, kind of getting a better feel for the different specialties and do I like family medicine? Do I like surgery? And once I started going to more emergency medicine conferences, probably about my second year of medical school, that really opened my eyes to like, wow, this is the the group of people that I identify with most. I love meeting everybody at these conferences, learning about all the topics. And for me, it really solidified my choice of emergency medicine. Yeah, I was a first year and I actually was at an EM interest group meeting at my medical school and Andy was there giving a lecture and he mentioned at the end that we should really all go to this ACWP conference that was in Denver that year. And so a couple of my friends, we all agreed to go. And when I got there, he was introducing me to people, kind of forcing me out of my shell to, to meet people and talk to people. And I ended up running for a leadership position. And ever since then, I've made so many great friends that now even as attending, I do research projects with some of them. I help with other blog posts. We all kind of know each other well and know each other's families at this point. And I think that there's just so many opportunities if you really get out of your shell a little bit. 
And like Andy said, you could do that first year or if you're a third year then you know, it's never too late. I, I like Caitlin. I remember I was a first year medical student. My program director who became Caitlin's program director, Bill Frazier, came to my school and gave a talk and said, hey, you guys should think about going to this conference. And last minute, I booked a ticket, went, had a great time, met people, was pushed to do things that were not on my list of things to do. Um, and it's opened up a ton of really cool opportunities down the road. So you bring up, we can do this whenever, but know that you can do it later and still get some of the same benefit. I know that Caitlin and I both mentor medical students on a pretty regular basis. And I've even seen the benefits of people waiting till third year to go because just going to one conference, regardless of when you go, expands your horizons in terms of people you can reach out to, mentors that you can gain, and then open your perspective on maybe going to programs that weren't initially on your list. And I think that brings up the next point that we should talk about, which is how to go about networking at a conference. You know, it's one thing to just go to the conference and go to the lectures, and there's a lot you can learn about the specialty and about different procedures and things doing that, but you really want to take advantage of the people there. That's why some of us really like some of the smaller knit conferences, just because it's a lot easier to reach out and meet people. But you should really try to attend any social events that the conference is holding. Really try to get out of your shell and introduce yourself to people and make some connections because that's really what you're there for. You can listen to lectures from home. You can stream anything these days. But getting involved and getting to talk to other people is really the priceless part about conferences. I agree. When I'm thinking about what conferences I go to now as an attending, I want to channel intentionality. I'm picking conferences that not only am I interested in the lectures and maybe the vacation spot, but also looking at my interests and seeing if there's anyone at that conference that aligns with those interests. If I'm interested in emergency medicine, maybe residency, are there residencies at this conference? Are there researchers who are investigating the same stuff I am? And kind of check out the guest list, so to speak. Who's giving lectures? Who's going to be there? What kinds of different societies may be there? Because you can't go to every conference. And then planning your trip with intentionality. Okay, when am I going to attend these lectures and maybe ask a question or try to meet somebody after the lecture? When are there social events? When can I network with people who are interested in research like I am? And so for me, a lot of it comes down to the planning before the conference even starts of what am I going to be doing with my time? Because if you get there and think that you're going to have enough time to do everything, there's so much going on at these conferences that you'll just be overwhelmed very quickly. Yeah. And I love that you guys bring that up because I remember the first couple conferences I went to, like Tim mentions, I literally just got out the program and said, all right, what can I not afford to miss? And so it was one social activities, because I knew that there was a chance I would meet people that either had shared interests or would lead to networking. I still remember my first social event at a conference. It's where I met John Casey, who's now one of our co-hosts for Email Over Easy, is the PD at the program Caitlin and I trained at and a dear friend. That If I hadn't gone to that social event, I wouldn't have met John. And if I was to take the sliver of what John has done for me in my life out of my life, it would not be as enriched as it is today. So one, it was social events. Two, it was where the residency is going to be. Where am I going to get an opportunity to interact with residents and faculty from residency programs? So the nice thing is that a lot of conferences have residency fairs, easy, low-hanging fruit. Literally go shake hands with people from places you would never consider going because you might meet somebody who will inspire you to say, I need to give that program an opportunity. For me, the third one was 
Tim brought up research, I went to all the research competitions and I didn't stay for all of them, but I found four or five projects that in their list that sounded interesting to me, if nothing else, just to talk with the resident or the faculty member that were on that. And maybe that would lead to a case report, a follow-up study. And so there's a really a good way to maximize your time knowing that you don't need to be there for the entire time. But if you pick two or three events, for me, it's social events, residency, participation, and then research, you can really maximize what you can get out of a conference. And I always like to bring this up and I don't want to be the Debbie Downer, but just remember that once you put on your med student hat, everyone is always watching and the ER world is is very small. So these conferences are really fun and you'll find yourself at tons of social events where alcohol is flowing and tons of people are convincing you to drink. And that's okay, but just remember that you don't want to be that person that's stumbling back into the hotel in the middle of the night. You want to be professional and hold yourself together in any public place because you don't know if a program director is with his family in the lobby and sees you stumble past. And these kind of things, we have seen this happen to students. So just be cautious and be professional and still have fun, but just be smart about it. Yeah, that comment reminds me of a rank meeting that Caitlin and I were both in where literally we remember this student from a conference and they went lower down the list because we watched them do a a walk of shame. And it was like, do we want them representing the program at a conference? I don't think so. So it's something that happens. And if I can tell you, if we were doing it where we trained, other places are doing it there as well. So let's talk a little about social media. So Tim, I want to pivot this to you because between the three of us, you are by far the most social media savvy person on this call. How do you leverage social media and how can medical students do that? For me, I think of social media as really a projection of who I am, what I'm about, and sharing that to engage with other people in the EM community. So first and foremost, everything is 100% professional. If I have a personal Facebook or a personal Twitter account, it's certainly separate from my professional account. And my professional account is really geared towards showing people who I am, what I'm about, what I'm interested in, and really finding the opportunity to connect with other people that are like-minded. So for me, first thing I usually do is tell residents, tell medical students, be very professional. Just like you're professional at the conference, you're professional on your social media. You know, Don't post any patient information. Try to steer away from any arguments with anybody and really just try to be a positive force there to connect with the community. You'll be amazed at how many opportunities you can get. I think it's really important to just be very cautious before you post anything and kind of reread it once or twice. You'd be surprised at how many programs or just administration will go through and search people's social media accounts. I know in my first attending job, I'm not really a big poster by any means. I mostly watch social media to learn about things and read up, but I don't really post myself. And I posted something that had no patient information and was really just essentially a picture of an ambulance outside of our hospital commenting on what I thought was highlighting the local EMS. And I immediately got an email the next day from this the president of our hospital. And I was like, wow, I didn't even know you followed me on social media, let alone knew I had a Twitter. So it's just important that people are watching and they do look through this stuff. So just be cautious about what you post. Yeah. And and to speak to that, I'm actually our recruitment committee social media person. So when we decide, hey, they're on the list to get interviewed, I do a deep dive on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, looking for you. And so just take the time to clean it up. Pictures of when you were an undergrad rushing for your sorority or fraternity, 
with you blackout drunk probably shouldn't be on your social media anymore. Just take the time. It takes a couple hours to clean up your front facing social media. And then just make sure if you're going to get Twitter, which like Tim and Caitlin, I use as nothing else for an educational resource, make sure that your posts are very straightforward are purposeful and it's intention oriented towards finding a spot within graduate medical education and not just, oh, this is the place where I post hot takes on political views or famous people like the Kardashians. Like that's not what your social media should be for if you're going to become a physician and if you're going to go into EM. You can market yourself well on social media if you're smart about it. But if you're someone that isn't really into social media, definitely don't try to do this just because you think you need to. You don't. You can just be like me and make an account and follow people and learn things and learn about programs and see what's going on out there. So I would only really try to use this to market yourself if you're really into social media and that's something that you care about. To kind of piggyback off that, when you're talking about your professional accounts and you're creating an image or a social media footprint, it's really a great place to highlight your interests, your academic accomplishments, and what you're interested in. I'm someone who certainly didn't do a lot of research when I was in medical school, but I was very interested in social determinants of health and working with certain patient populations. And all of the stuff I shared, all of the stuff I talked about, all the people I connected with kind of followed that same train of thought. And when you're reviewing that stuff on the admissions committee or if you're in Andy's position, it shows what you're interested in. He's not just someone who's saying that, He wants to work at a needle exchange in order to get into our residency or for whatever reason, but he has a lot of that interest and we can see that through the stuff he shares in his social media presence. So keep that in mind when you're, when you're thinking about what to share, what you're interested in and kind of let your social media follow your interests. Yeah. I love that you bring that up, that the things that you're passionate about need to be seen in more than just your resume and they need to be things that you're passionate about. And so as Tim mentioned, when I look at somebody, I'm not only looking for red flags in their social media, I'm looking for validation and who the applicant is on paper. And so if I see that, it's just kudos to you for leveraging social media as a tool that's going to make you a better applicant. And I think that bleeds over into our next comment about just resume building in general and what activities to do throughout medical school. I think it's more about quality and not quantity. And it really speaks if Whether you're in an interview or at a residency fair or just standing at a social event talking to me, you really want to be passionate about whatever activities or things you're doing because you shouldn't be doing things just to put them on your CV to make it seem like you're more involved. We really can see through that. And it's just so much more important to show what aspect of emergency medicine you're passionate about. And there's so many things nowadays, whether you're into wilderness medicine or ultrasound or critical care like Tim, there's just so many things you can do and extracurriculars that go along with those, that it's definitely something I would recommend doing things that you're really passionate about and not just because you think you need to do them to get a residency slot or a job or whatever it may be. Yeah, this comes up every year when students ask, would I rather see somebody who's done a hundred things or do one thing? And I'm a big fan of, I'd rather you do one thing deep, be all in, have proof that you've done it, have it be, I volunteered for social determinants of health. I did a project for social determinants of health. I'm on a national committee for social determinants of health. That speaks a lot more to me than the person's CV that has every blood drive they took part of, every 5K they handed out water at, every volunteer at the state house they went to. Being passionate and having a deep passion for something by far goes longer than having a hundred things that just show that you were present and that you were alive. 
I agree. Crafting your resume is an important part of anyone's early career, whether you're a resident, a medical student, or even junior faculty like I am. Doing things that you're passionate about will put you in contact with people who are doing things you're passionate about. Doing things you're not passionate about and you don't care as much for are going to put you into contact with people who are doing those things. So when you're thinking about your career trajectory, it's not just, I need to do these things to get into residency. I need to do these things to get an academic emergency medicine job. I need to do these things to get promoted. But it's really taking a big step back and saying, what am I interested in? What do I love doing? What makes my heart sing about emergency medicine and engaging in that? And you'll see that your productivity will start building, your social connections, your social media, all of that starts to come into focus and really centers around who you are as as a physician and a person. So Caitlin teased at it before, and it was this idea of always being professional. And I think probably on top of everything we've talked about, a take-home could be being professional is something that should happen the second you walk out of your house in the morning and the second you get home. So whether you're at a conference, on social media, at an event, on rotation, in class, at a restaurant, like any time that you're publicly available, know that people are watching and the people that are watching talk to each other. And this happens, a really good example that I can think of is somebody who rotated where I trained. They came and rotated with us. We thought everything was fine because they did really well on EM, but then a single email to all the other chiefs in our hospital led to all these responses of worst medical student ever, just gave case vignettes over and over again about how it was great that we liked them, but that they would not be respected in the hospital because of the way they acted on the following services. And so no, you always have to be professional. And I know it sounds tiring to think about, but remember, somebody is always watching. But it's really not that hard if you just try to sit back and use some common sense. I mean, a lot of the things that we're telling you to do is really just something you should be doing as a med student anyway. You just need to remember that it's a small profession and you would feel embarrassed if you as an attending acted that way in front of your colleagues. And I think all of us can think of numerous um, students who really shot themselves in the foot in this one category. I mean, make sure that you're always professionally dressed, that you're not wearing anything provocative to didactics, to conferences, to things like that. Be cautious when you're drinking alcohol. Just be smart. Those are the kind of things. Be cautious with your social media. That's another professionalism thing. And this is the one category that can really put you way further down a rank list. And the other thing to remember is that you really should never talk bad about any physician, resident, or any program, even if it's a program you wouldn't think of going to in your wildest dreams, because you don't know who's listening and you don't know who they know. You would be shocked at the number of times people would come up to me and tell me how much they disliked another program, and that was a program my husband was a resident at, or vice versa. We don't even care that you don't like our program. That just shows a lot about your professionalism. So those are just things I would keep in mind. So Tim and Caitlin, what would be your big take-homes from this episode if I'm a medical student listening to this? I would say my biggest take-home is to approach conferences intentionally, meaning look at the conference. You're spending your hard-earned time, what little free time you have, and your money to go to this conference. You should get something out of it not just educational, but from a networking perspective. So try to attend the social events, reach out to people who have the same interests as you, and really take the next step to 
introduce yourself to your colleagues, your future EM physicians? I think my take home point would be let your interests and your passions drive your resume. Even if you're someone that feels like you need to compensate and do a little bit more as far as your resume goes, because maybe you're not the best test taker, that's fine. But just make sure you're doing things that you're passionate about and are things that you're very excited about. And it somehow links to what you plan on doing in your future career, because those are the people that we can really tell are interested in things and not just doing them to do them. Yeah. And I'll round out and say it again, that professionalism is by far the easiest thing you can do and by far the most important thing you can do, regardless of whether it's on social media, in person, clinically, or while you're out with your friends. So Tim and Caitlin, I appreciate you hopping on for this discussion of the Med Student Over Easy podcast. Well, you made it all the way to the end of another Med Student Over Easy podcast. Do not forget, we are the official podcast of the American College of Osteopathic Emergency Physicians. To learn more about this great organization and how you can get involved, head on over to acop.org today. Mm-hmm.